It's such a thrill to me to be able to get in front of an audience and to take God's Word and be able to open it and to look at it and to study it. And I've really enjoyed the privilege of being able to study these lessons of favorite Bible passages. Many of you have given me those that you felt were very important to you. And uh, we're drawing near the end of this series unless somebody turns around and says, Hey, I've got five more that I need to give you. So uh, at this point, we're, we have one more in the series and then we will draw it to a close. Let me begin by asking a question. Does your religion ever seem like a burden? Does it seem like being a Christian is something very difficult to do? I want to give you a, a comparison. I know it's a very crude one. But uh, many years ago, I tried to learn how to play golf. And when I swung the club, first time, I was about to forget what he called the, the, the club stick. Uh, but uh, when I did, it just jarred my hands really bad. And they said, you're not hitting it right. And I thought, that's probably true. Do you know if your religion, your Christianity, is a burden to you, you're not doing it right. You don't have the proper understanding of what being a Christian really is all about. Now let me ask a second question. Are you tired and are you seeking a rest? I'm not talking about are you physically tired. I'm asking are you spiritually tired? Have you been fighting the battle for many years against the devil? Finding yourself resisting temptation and find yourself in this point where like, I'm just worn out. I need some rest. That's a legitimate concern. Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 is a favorite to so many people. And this passage, in my judgment, is one that needs to be explored for a greater understanding. I did look at the back of our songbook tonight. I was glad that Brother Stanley led the song that we sang. If you look in the back, there's a list of passages of Scripture. And I noticed there's at least four songs from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the three main thoughts within the passage. The first is to come unto me, as our Lord invites the second will be rest for the weary. And the third will be taking the Lord's yoke upon us. So we begin the idea, the Lord says, come unto me. To see who he is and see what he does for us. As you begin to explore that idea during the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can find several occasions, I just want to pull out a, one or two, in John chapter 1, verses 38 and 39, there John records, Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, being when translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. 
what you find is there are people who are actually seeking who the Lord is, what He is teaching, and how to find Him. As you go a little bit further, you will find that wise men still are seeking Jesus. We often think about the account found in Luke's gospel as well as Matthew's account. But I suggest to you that even of the Gentiles, there are people who are looking for the Lord. In John chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, Now there were certain Greeks among those who come up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We want to come and see who he is. Jesus is inviting. He says, come unto me. He's inviting us to come and see who he is. But it's very likely that when you look at this passage where Jesus says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, that the passage he is thinking of or citing is Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. Such an important passage in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths wherein the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Jesus is inviting to say, I am this way in which you should walk. Come unto me, and I will show you this pathway. But the truth is, Jesus is the only one to whom we can come and find that kind of rest and find the easy yoke. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. You can't get there by going to anyone else. You can't go to Muhammad. You can't go to Joseph Smith. You can't go to all of these new modern day prophets. You've got to go through Jesus. In John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said to those Jews, He said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You see, I start understanding there are some people who will say, I want to be saved, but I don't want to come to Jesus. I don't want to have to follow the rules and the regulations that are set forth. The world today is full of people who will say, I want to be saved, I want rest from being weary, and I want all the blessings, but they don't want to come to Jesus with all that entails. One of the passages that to me draws us in is the one found in John chapter 6 where Jesus is giving the lesson about his being the bread of heaven. That followed on the heels of his feeding the multitude. And he made the point clear that many of them were not there because of what he taught. They were there because of the loaves and the fishes. And so the Lord, we notice it says from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
The Lord invites men to come to him, but the Lord doesn't force anybody to come to him. He invites. And when men say, we want to walk away, we're not interested, the Lord says, you can leave. And when he asked the disciples, they said, no, we're not going to leave you, Lord. You are the ones that have the words of eternal life. And in John 7, 37, at the Feast of Tabernacles, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out and cried, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. That follows well from John 6, bread, John 7, water. And Jesus is saying, If you want it, come to me. But the second thing that you will notice that's in this passage, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, um, you have to think, what kind of people is he talking about that are heavy laden, that are burdened down? What kind of burdens are they carrying? Well, I believe in the context, he's talking about the burdens of the old law and all of these man-made traditions that were piled on top of them. Because in the context, what precedes this is the Lord's confrontation with the Pharisees who had made all of these man-made laws and traditions. Let me give you an illustration or two of that. In Matthew chapter 23, the Lord rebukes, publicly exposes the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And when you get down to verse 4, he says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You see, what they would do is they would take you and they would say, Okay, I know the Old Testament law says this, but you must keep that this way. And they had a number of rules and regulations that piled on top of those. You can study Matthew 15, Mark chapter 7, and you can see just with regards to the one commandment, honor your father and mother. They had made a tradition to say, you don't have to do that. What I was going to give to my parents is Corbin, and then you don't allow them to do anything for their parents. And Jesus says, all these traditions are the doctrines and the commandments of men. In Acts 15, you have a situation where the New Testament church had just gotten started. In fact, at Antioch, the church was beginning to grow and flourish. But what had taken place is there were some who had come from Jerusalem and had said, unless you keep the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Barnabas and Paul went up to the elders and the apostles to discuss this matter in Jerusalem. And here's the response in chapter 15, verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Why do you take a New Testament Christian and add an extra burden on him by telling him now he's got to keep that Old Testament law too? 
You see, there's burdens that men try to put on other people's shoulders. But you see, that Old Testament law was not meant to continue. In fact, it had a purpose. And what made it a burden was the fact that you and I could not keep it perfectly. And that was an obligation under it. Listen to Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many as under the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that it is evident that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for it is the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. The problem is, is that none of us could keep that law perfectly. And if you can't keep it perfectly, then you're a sinner. And what are you going to do with your sin? Under the Old Testament law, there was not a perfect sacrifice. It took the sacrifice of Christ. When you come to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul explains. He says, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You see, the law had a purpose to show us what sin was, to show sin to be exceedingly sinful, Romans 7, verses 7 and 8. But we see that it was a burden that men were trying to bear and carry. So Jesus was looking at them, but there's also those who've labored long and hard for the Lord. I think the Lord had in mind those people who were trying to serve Him well and served Him through the very difficult times. In Revelation 14, verse 13, John said, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. I have stood in front of the casket of numerous Christians who all their lives, some of them became members of the Lord's kingdom when they were young and they have continued all through their lives and for them it was a, a moment in which now they could lay their sword down and know that they had served God well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul talked earlier in chapter 4 about though our outward man is perishing yet our inward man is being renewed day by day and then he comes to chapter 5 and he says, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Those of us who live in this body know that this body is wearing out. And there's a sense in which this physical body does grow tired. It does grow weary. Our minds grow tired. And yet Paul says what we're wanting is not to be unclothed. We're not wanting to go through the process of death. We're wanting to make it to where there is real life. But perhaps the best passage on this is found in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4. In fact, all of Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at, chapter, at verse 1, focuses upon that rest and we're going to summarize verses 9 and 10 
There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. He compares it to when God created the world. In six days God made the heavens and the earth and all that are in them is. And on the seventh day he rested. A man has served God to the point he gets to the end of his life. And then it's just like that seventh day for God. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Galatians 6 and verse 9 Paul writes, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Don't grow tired because the Lord has promised a rest for you. And then 2 Thessalonians 3, 10-12. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness, eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Just keep holding on because the Lord has a rest awaiting for you. You know, for us who are Christians, it's real easy to get discouraged, to become tired. And Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Look at Jesus. Look what he did. Don't let yourself get down and discouraged. Number three, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. This idea of a yoke implies that we're serving someone else. And everyone serves under someone else's yoke. We don't realize it, but everybody says, oh, I I don't serve anybody. Oh, yes, you do. You're either serving the Lord or you're serving the devil. Listen to Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one slave? Whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Everybody has made a choice which direction they're going to go. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I want you to take my yoke. What makes it different? The yoke fits well with the heavy laden. Because what the Lord is trying to do is to contrast what he offers with what others offer. And with Jesus The burdens are light and the yoke is easy. You don't have to carry as much. Now let me just explore that thought with you for just a little bit. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, Stand therefore, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You see, the mind, what Jesus is saying here, is these burdens, I thought about the song, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. It's as if Jesus took the burdens and he's taking the lion's share of the load and he knows 
how much we can stand. And he's, he's taking the majority of it for us. In 1 John 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. The Lord doesn't lay upon us some heavy, heavy load to carry. He lifts the load in contrast to what those Pharisees did. But I want to explore the idea of the yoke with you for just a minute. You know, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. A yoke was an implement to harness the power of two or more animals. You may put two steers side by side. You may put two horses side by side. You may put two donkeys side by side. You don't unequally yoke them. That is, you don't put one animal with another animal. You yoke them equally. And they share the load. How many of you have ever tried to pick up something with someone else? I imagine Stanley's group does that regularly. Have you ever heard somebody say, you're not carrying your load. You're not carrying your part. Do you realize that when we are yoked together with the Lord that we're sharing the burden? Jesus shares our load. Listen to 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You see, he took the burden for us. He's carrying the load. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone aside to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid the burden on Jesus. That's the reason why Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you. Plow with me. And the Lord is going to make the yoke easy and the burden light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 we then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. When you and I are Christians, we are working together with the Lord. But Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. You know, there's a, a way to learn how to do something. And one of those ways is watching someone else show you how to do it. He says, I am meek and lowly, or I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'd like to talk about the word meek itself, or the word the New King James translates gentle. It's from a word that was used to describe the breaking of horses where a horse would be wild and then you would tame it. It possessed all the strength that it had while it was wild, but now that strength was usable because it had been brought under control. 
One of the best ways to translate my idea is self-controlled. No, maybe it's say God-controlled. That's who Jesus was. He was willing to submit himself, humble himself under the Lord's commands or under God's, the Father's commands. He exhibited humility of heart. We should strive to be like him. 1 Peter 1 or 2.21 For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow or you should follow in his steps. Where the Lord leads, you follow. Or Paul would say it in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Providing for us the way to go. Jesus calls men to come to him for a better and an easier life. Remember when I began, I asked, was your religion, is it a burden to you? If it is, you don't understand it well. Because the Lord is bearing that burden with you and for you. You take his yoke upon him, and he's the greatest master anyone could ever serve. He provides for us the right guidance. And the question is, will you answer his call? When Jesus says, come unto me, will you do that? We're going to sing this invitation song. And if you want to come to the Lord to become a Christian by faith, repentance, confession, and then being baptized, come. If you are a child of God and sins in your life, come. And would you come while we stand and sing?